0: B.M. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we get ready to really start wrapping up 2021, get a look at a variety of things, this end of year mix that we've seen in the trade and South America is starting to get a little bit more attention. But here's the neat thing. Everything we're seeing isn't all about South America. So we're going to kind of dive into what's been going on in this trade and especially what's been going on in this ethanol demand and the big drop we've seen since Thanksgiving. Todd Holtman joins us today. He is with DTN and and Todd, first of all, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you, and it makes for some interesting marketing trades as we start to really wind down this year.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a mess in my book, and by the way, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and all the listeners, and thanks for having me, Susan. Um, We have a lot of factors going on. It's been a pretty active holiday season. You know, it's usually kind of a quiet time of year for trading. But that's not what we've seen there's been a lot of movement uh if if we start in corn as you mentioned uh, we've had very strong ethanol demand this fall and, and the the ethanol price right before thanksgiving peaked at a, a phenomenally high price of 375 and a half the curious thing is that that ethanol price has dropped sharply in the month of december uh, we've given back almost all of the fall rally uh, and it's, it's a little, uh, I think, unnerving to the markets because we've been counting on a very high production pace of ethanol that we've seen so far. And the good news is the plants are still profitable. The price is still good enough to keep uh, plants buying corn. But uh, when you see that kind of volatility at this time of year, it's a little bit unnerving to the markets. And so we are seeing a sell-off in corn uh, here today. And of course, part of that also was related to rain in South America.
0: You know there might be some some worries that uh ethanol plants as they continue to try to keep profitable might see a pullback when it comes to production or or heaven forbid plant closures. What are you hearing on the on the side of that and is the demand going to continue to be there as we head into the new year?
1: Yeah, overall I'm still very optimistic into the new year. I think we'll get past uh whatever this recent sell-off is. Uh, and, and stabilize out and, and remain profitable at the ethanol plants. And I say that because our oil and gas production really got hit hard during the pandemic of 2020. Uh, a lot of oil and gas companies went bankrupt in 2020. And we're still not back as a nation to the levels of oil production that we saw before the pandemic. We're still about 1.2 million barrels a day short on oil production. So with that um, tightening of our ability to produce oil and uh, gasoline it's also uh, put ethanol in an enviable position of really being needed to help stretch those fuel supplies here in the U.S. and I just don't see that whole situation uh, correcting uh, too quickly anytime soon so for that reason I remain optimistic for the the ethanol demand factor of corn
0: earlier today i I was reading a news article um that was talking about new york we know that they use the bioheat and all that kind of stuff but it was kind of neat to see that they are really going to be bumping up the use of of biodiesel within their heating systems in new york and like i said somewhere around 200 million gallons a year is where they're at right now and it sounds like that might just set a good stage for for soybeans to at least see some in-country profitability
1: yeah, well, as you look at the future and our desire as a nation to have more low-carbon fuels, biodiesel fits into that real well. And so uh it, it shouldn't be surprising that this is kind of the, the wave of the future and the way the trends are going. Along with traditional biodiesel, we also have this renewable diesel market, which is fairly new, but there's uh, being a lot of optimism and investment put into it uh because it's it's kind of a new form of biodiesel that is uh chemically identical to petroleum products and so for that reason it's even attracting the attention of the petroleum industry in making investments and in getting these renewable diesel plants going so uh, in the next you know 2 to 5 years we could see a dramatic change in the landscape and demand for soybeans for these type of products
0: are we going to continue to see um, in this coming year, we briefly talked about this, but will ethanol be able to kind of prop up corn a little bit? And will biodiesel be able to help prop up soybeans a bit?
1: Yeah, well, I, I definitely say that uh, in the fourth quarter here, ethanol has been the one propping up corn. Uh, and then it got a little additional help from dry weather in southern Brazil and Argentina, which continues to be a factor in spite of yesterday's rain, by the way um so uh, ethanol remains a very important source of demand for corn and uh is one of the reasons why we got up above six dollars here recently
0: todd does it come as a surprise that we're finally seeing a little bit more attention put on south america i mean it's about what their june to to (laughs) ours right now going on right now when it comes to crop production
1: yeah well this seems to be kind of the traditional play of the year so uh, you know, when, when you've been around a while, this is kind of the, the typical thing we expect this time of year. And, uh, now we're getting close to where, uh, in central and northern Brazil, uh, we're actually going to see soybean harvest start fairly soon. Uh, sorry, not to meaning to switch gears from, uh, corn there, but when we get that soybean harvest out of the way, then Brazil is going to get that second corn crop planted. And that, of course, is their larger corn crop. And uh, there'll be a lot of attention on that when that happens.
0: So is this this time of year kind of a typical, I don't want to say crying wolf, but we've been <laughs> hearing so many you know bits and nuggets coming out through social media on Twitter, for example, talking about how dry it is. But then we see these beautiful photos um, from different parts of the country as well.
1: Yeah, well, it, you know, uh, very much like our year was this year where we had the have-nots, we had drought in the northwest, and then we had beautiful areas from Nebraska through Illinois and Indiana and Ohio. Uh, that's somewhat similar to the situation Brazil's looking at this year. So their central and northern crop areas have gotten plentiful rain, some too much rain in, in uh, some areas, in fact, but uh, it's that southern uh, Brazil which is roughly, say, 25% of the crop uh, that's really been chronically dry. So, uh, you know, you can find a, a, a picture to support either position <laughs> you want to put out there, as is often the case.
0: All right, well, stick around, <laughs> folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: Our Fontenelle hybrids dealers can't say enough about the Fontenelle performance. Here's Don Blashko of Blashko Seeds between Ravana and Gibbon, Nebraska. We've always been happy with Fontenelle products. They uh, stand well, yield well. Since they're locally tested in Nebraska, they match our season and our climate and the soils better than um, other hybrids. For more on proven products in your area, go to fontanelle.com. Always read and follow Grain Marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label direct. To the Fontenelle final
0: bell here in the Rural Radio Network, I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation this afternoon with Todd Holtman. Todd, of course, is with DTN. and We've been kind of talking about what's been happening weather-wise in, in South America, and I wanted to kind of spin it back around as you talk to folks all across the country with your work at DTN. What are you hearing about concerns, for example, out of the panhandle with with can? Kansas, Oklahoma, and especially since those December 15th uh, fires in Kansas. From a wheat perspective, is there some issues and concerns that, that are being relayed back to you?
1: Yes, absolutely. The concerns are legitimate, and uh, in that case, the, the pictures on, on uh, Twitter, I think, were as bad as it looked. Uh, so, the, those windstorms and the, and the fires just uh, horrific. And, of course, we have the U.S. drought monitor to help uh, keep our eyes on the drought situation and Uh, Even the new one out today on Thursday showed more increased drought in that southwestern Plain region. So that is not going away anytime soon. Uh, There's no uh, hint in the forecast of any rain on the way to that region. So that continues to be uh, a big concern. Now, Kansas City wheat traded lower here on Thursday, uh, but uh, it it certainly wasn't because of uh, any optimism about soil moisture in the southwestern Plains.
0: So soybean meal. Do you see that as a big surprise, kind of the, the, the nice one that's sitting out there kind of bringing in some higher prices affecting the rest of the soybean trade?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I try to keep my uh, eye a little bit on what other analysts are saying. You know, I don't like to be left out if I'm missing something. But as, as I listen to other analysts, I, I find there's not a lot of mention of soybean meal going on in, in spite of this incredible rally. Uh we've had in December. now, if there are some out there, I apologize and uh, hats off to you, but uh, this is a remarkable uh, rally we're having. as I mentioned, the cash price in Illinois being almost twenty dollars uh, above the board. We're going to start a new delivery process for the January contract tomorrow, and I don't think there's probably going to be many deliveries in this period, just as there weren't many deliveries of meal in the December period, and so when you see that, it's a very strong demand sign. Uh, that supplies are tight, and uh, guys are not eager to let go of the meal. So we, we've seen a big uh, climb up. We're above the $400 mark in the March uh, contract. And uh, as I say, because we don't have a good handle of just what's propelling this demand, uh, other than to say that our, our meal supplies uh, just got too short for the needs, especially I think a lot of it's coming from poultry producers in the, the central and eastern part of the country. Uh, but other, we just got a new report from Buenos Aires Grain Exchange uh, here today, and their crop condition—they're good to excellent rating for soybeans in Argentina—fell from seventy-one to fifty-six percent this past week. Um, so they're they're feeling the stress of the hot temperatures down there, and of course that adds uh, to the support for our meal price.
0: Should we be nervous at this point about exports, especially when we look at soybeans, for example?
1: Uh, yes, I'm still concerned. Now, um, you know, when it comes, when we have mixed messages like this, so we have a strong soybean and a strong soybean meal performance on the board. And yet, uh, our export sales have not been doing well. And we had another new marketing year low here today in soybean sales between the two. I still tend to look to the board as to what does how does the market sort this all out and so the market still has uh, a bullish uh, tendency to it that i i can't ignore that's just too practical and there's so much information in the market that i think we often overlook or disregard if i look at the usda balance sheet of what they're saying about export sales and uh, demand in the new season it's hard to see uh in an increased crush amount making up for the disappointment that we're seeing so far uh, in export sales but as i say the real demand is reflected on the board and in those cash prices i talked about so that's where i i have to give the vote of confidence to
0: why is crush on fire like it's been
1: yeah well it's a it's a unique combination where, you know, in the old days, uh, the demand was mas- mainly for meal and bean oil was almost kind of a, a byproduct uh, that just piled up and got cheaper and cheaper with time. That's not true any longer. And especially with uh, the new biodiesel products that I mentioned and the heavy investment that we're seeing coming into the industry to make these renewable biodiesel plants, uh, the market is getting a greater and a greater appreciation for the value of bean oil. As a low carbon fuel. So when you combine that with also a strong world demand for meal, because we need that meal to create protein, and as the world standard of living goes up, uh, meal is the crucial ingredient to make that increased protein in the diet happen.
0: Sounds good. Where's the best place, Todd, for folks to be able to catch up with you and and read what you're up to?
1: Oh, well, you know, we have a free website. It's uh, www. DTNPF.com. It stands for DTN Progressive Farmer. Uh, we're a combined effort. Or you can always e- email me at todd.holtman at DTN.com.
0: All right. And as always, a reminder commodity futures options do involve a substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.